Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean O' Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge. Because as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls with me, Dr. Plenty. Today, we're going to switch gears a bit and discuss how to prepare your child financially for the future. So as parents, how we raise our children and how we prepare them can make or break them. Teaching your kids to be disciplined, making sure they have good educations, and making sure they're exposed to the arts, social settings, and other experiences at a very early age will shape how they see the world. Well, setting your child up for financial success is just as important. As a mom myself, as soon as my son was born, and even before, I was thinking about ways I could put him at an advantage for his future. Well, today, I have a very special guest and a financial expert and boss, might I add, Miss Ashley Holston. Ashley is a millennial. She's a mother. She's an entrepreneur, an investor, and philanthropist. She has a Bachelor of Science in Computer Information Systems from The Ohio State University. You know, people that go to Ohio State always say The Ohio State (laughs) University. Hmm. She's a serial entrepreneur and a hustler. Um, Growing up in a household that struggled financially, Ashley decided she wanted to experience something different in her adult life. She found that through mindset, positive affirmations, credit knowledge, and proper money behaviors, not only could she have a comfortable lifestyle, she could reach back and help others on how to do it too. Through her philanthropy acts, she works specifically with females of all ages to close the literacy gap. She specializes in teaching financial literacy and self-confidence. Knowing that people of color have fewer opportunities for upward financial mobility and is compounded by lower income levels and fewer chances to build wealth and pass accumulated wealth down to future generations is what led her to start her business, Premier Peak Consulting Services. Ashley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Dr. Pliny. I am thankful that you guys are allowing me to use Um, your platform to spread the importance of financial literacy. And it is important, right? I think that a lot of people don't understand that you have to teach your children really early how to handle a dollar. (laughs) How to handle a dollar. I I totally agree. So um, I know that you you talked about starting um, Premier Consulting Agency How long have you been doing consulting and teaching financial literacy? So I have been in the business of financial consulting for about three years now. Um, The passion of teaching financial literacy came um, a few years before that. Um, 
I actually got involved in a nonprofit organization called Cute and Covered Foundation, which our mission was to teach young women etiquette skills, financial literacy, and female empowerment. Um, and through that, we would go to different schools and kind of talk to young adults about how important it was to um, budget, how important it was to um, balance a checkbook. And you uh, will be surprised that um, a lot of young adults don't even know how to write out a, a simple check, which is still very important um, to this day. Um, and I would say that's kind of where my passion started that propelled me to start the business of Premier Peak Consulting Services. Wow. So I think that um, when you said that some people don't know how to write a check. Yeah. Is that just because people are like so dependent on like Cash App and PayPal and Venmo? Golly. I mean, that's that's something that I believe I learned in junior high school, like how Mm -hmm. to write a check. I don't know if they actually teach that anymore, though. They, they don't teach it anymore. And, 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 you know, if we are, we have these young adults that possibly want to become entrepreneurs and they need to uh, write checks, sign off on checks. I think that that's still a, a very valuable lesson um, to learn. And I just think that in the, in the present of where we're, where, what we live in is that now it's the quick way is cash app and Zill and, you know, kind of doing away from the, the balancing of, of checkbooks. And it, it's still something that we, we need to be teaching our children. So what are some of the common mistakes you think people make when it comes to the finances? Um, I would say the number one common mistake would be not budgeting. Um, I know for me, when I uh, was in college and I had a little part-time job getting me through school, I would get paid on Friday. And um, I'll get paid on Friday. I'm going to run to the mall. I'm going to get that outfit that I wanted. I am going <laughs> to go to the movies. I'm going to go to dinner. And I look up on Sunday and I only have $100 to my name. Oh, and wow. I, <laughs> yes. And you, you, I didn't totally forgot I need groceries. I totally forgot I may need to purchase that book for class or whatever. I, the important things that I may need. I totally forgot about that. And I would say. Um, without having a visual plan written down, you just really don't have anything to look towards to hold you accountable. So I think that a lot of um, people just really don't sit down and, and write out how much money is coming in and how much money is going out. And I would say even today, um, I sit down once a month and I write out the money that I have go- go- coming in and what what money is going to be allocated for what entertainment, groceries, tithing, um, things for, for my child, whatever, whatever may be on your budget. I think that that is very important. Um, I, I would say the second thing would pay would, would be not paying yourself first. Um, when I actually graduated from school and, um, kind of landed my first salaried paying job, um, I wanted to start saving and I would say, um, paying myself back first meant taking away or putting away 5% of my check before it even deposited into my checking account. That can be for some people 5%, that may be 10%, that may be $25, whatever it is for you before you even start to budget, always put some money aside for yourself 
Um, the third, I would say not understanding the importance of good credit. In my household, I was taught that cash was king. Um, but really, without having good credit, there's really not too much that you can do of significance in, in, in your life. That means purchasing a home. That means purchasing um, a car, business loans, personal loans. Um, so the quicker you learn that having good credit is important, the, the quicker you can start leveraging your good credit for other doors of opportunity. Um, I would say the last thing would be the difference between good debt versus bad debt, income producing debt versus credit card debt, bad debt. Yeah, hopefully I, I, I answered that question. As you did. It was it was problem. thorough, too. So I'm thinking <laughs> about paying yourself. When you say that, do you mean this is the percentage you should be putting towards your savings? Is that what you this mean is- by paying yourself? Yeah, this is a percentage. So that you have already said before you start paying bills, before you start grocery shopping, you're saying to yourself, hey, I'm going to take away $25 each paycheck to put towards the savings. Now, for me at that time, I wasn't responsible enough to have all my money going into a checking account and I just withdraw that savings, that, that money um, and put it somewhere. I actually had it automatically withdrawn and put into um, a savings account. So it's as if I just didn't even see it. I, I kind of tell my clients, it's kind of like losing $25. You lost it somewhere. So it just, it's just not there. Um, however, if that's a pity bake for you, or if that's, you know, automatically having it directly deposited into your savings account, um, that is important to pay yourself first for, for emergencies. So let me ask you this. Is there a certain percentage? Because I know that, uh, everybody's like probably listen to Dave Ramsey and he mm-hmm. says, you know, put 20% of everything you get into savings. Right. And then that mm-hmm. from that money, you can diversify to that money if you want to. And some people say 10%. Is there a certain percentage you usually recommend that people put to the side to save? Um, I would definitely say starting out um, 10% is a is a good percentage to to start off. I, I would say that that can kind of change, or it just depends on the the circumstances of of that household. Um, but I, I think that ten percent is a good starting point, and then we can, we can build from there. Gotcha. Okay. So, what should parents do to financially prepare for their child? Meaning. In addition to like how much to raise it costs to raise a child, like how can they financially get prepared for a child? Like how much more do they actually need to save for that child? Okay, so that that was a difficult question because again, I feel like to financially prepare for a child, I would say would depend on the circumstances and the lifestyle that the child is being being born into. Um, assuming a child was born into a middle income married couple, I would say well over two hundred k easily. You know, you have to take in consideration the the time of a, the child has has been born to the time of college graduation. There, the factor you have to factor in the housing, the food, child care and education, transportation, health care, clothing, and all other miscellaneous things that may come along the way. 
But it's really a, a, a hard question to answer. For me, there was really no planning. I knew that I wanted to be a mother, but I just didn't have the means to have that pre-baby budget or a pre-baby fund. But I do have a friend that she and her husband, they, they were married at age and they were just really great planners. They kind of knew, okay, this is, we want to get married at this time. We want to have children at this time. So they actually had the, the time to actually plan, uh, for their child and also have an emergency fund and, and a college fund. They had all of those things in place before little Jackson came into the world. But again, it, it just kind of depends on where you are and um, your circumstances. And like I said before, when my husband and I decided to have a child, I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't, we didn't have like, oh, let's go ahead and set up this, this emergency nest egg before we have a child. But we did start a college fund the month that he was born. We started a college fund. No, actually, I guess it was like three weeks after. So a couple of weeks after he was born. But when is, I know that that may not be feasible to a lot of people yeah. to like, you know, oh, you have a baby? Let's start a college fund while you're still in a hospital. You know, like most people exactly. don't do that. But what is a good age like that people should start a college fund or start thinking about some type of fund for their child? I would say starting a college fund is really based on the financial situation of the parents. I would say parents should always have at least before even starting a college fund, the most important fund to set up would be an emergency fund. And I would say they need to have at least three to six months of an emergency fund set up first before thinking about um, a college fund. In my situation, I have a little girl. Her name is Addison and she is nine months. And uh, we are quickly approaching that one year milestone. I would say at the age of one, that will be a good age to start getting your family members and friends involved in um, helping you start that college fund. I, for, I know for me and my household, we are over the whole toys. Please don't send Addison another toy. <laughs> the toys are like taking over my house. Don't need them. So I will be requesting... Um, from this point, well, when she turns one, start contributing to to the uh, college fund. And we will kind of, you know, do some educational toys here and there. Um, but I think that one is a really good age to start having your friends and family take part in, in, in the college fund. Listen, I completely agree. Um, I think that <laughs> that age of one is good. But if you can't get that by age one, like don't, If you're listening, don't put too much pressure on you. Like start, like she said, first, making sure you have savings. Like don't put your last into this college fund that you can't withdraw out of. And then all of a sudden you got no power like I have in Texas and you can't go and get into a hotel room because you have no savings to the side or your pipes are bursted and you can't get them repaired because you haven't saved um, that money. So I think that's really important um, that Ashley said, and you are absolutely right with the no toys. I mean, for Christmas, James and I requested that, hey, please contribute to his college fund. Here's the link to his 529. Please contribute here, right? We've done this since since he was born. We've told people don't buy him any toys for his first month, first year birthday, which was a disaster because the pandemic happened, so we didn't have a party. Mm-hmm. And then don't buy him anything for Christmas. Just contribute to 
his college fund. People don't follow those rules though, Ashley. They Uh-oh. still want to send toys. Oh, and I was telling my mom last night, I was like, we've got to get rid of some of these toys. They are everywhere. And I'm like, these, I said, these are six to 18 months. He's 20 months now. So we need to get rid of it. We need to give some of these toys away. She's like, he still plays with them. I'm like, but he has so many more toys <laughs> that he still plays with. And, and some of the toys, you know, they'd rather play with a box than the toys. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Pop. Yes. The yes. toys. And, um, Addison's what, nine months? Is she walking yet? No, she's not walking yet. But, but to, to just really a quick point, um, Eric and I, we actually, this is crazy. We, we, we're finding out that Addison likes to play with other things other than her toy. So we actually went to Family Dollar and like kind of picked up some pots and a little remote control and like a little cheap phone that she can kind of, cause those are the things that, just, I mean, that she's just into that is just like her curiosity. She, she does not really like the whole baby toy thing. So yeah, we're we we doing the same kinda, thing. We went to the Dollar Tree because I was like, we're not about to, you're not about to throw my phone across the floor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. And you're not about to put these nasty keys in your mouth. We're going to get a whole bunch of these keys that we can make copies of, but not make yep. the copies and put those on a key ring. There you go. Because you you're not about to wreck my stuff. So absolutely right. But she's nine months. I know Harrison started walking a day before he turned 10 months. <gasps> And the rest is history. And he started climbing on stuff shortly after that. Uh, you can't, you know, you see, you, you used to can like put him somewhere and like, oh, he's going to crawl and just play in this little area. We like pillow off the, mm-hmm. the living room so he can be there and I can be on my computer. <laughs> yeah, Not once no. they start walking. Yeah. No. Those days are gone. Those days Those are days. gone. <laughs> yes. All right. Yeah, so, but. So, so actually, should parents actually get a credit card in their child's name to build credit? I know a lot of people talk about, in addition to credit, uh, a college fund, we need to build the child's credit early. And so a lot of parents get credit cards in their kids' names. We're going to do it the right way, though, because I, <laughs> I have a few clients that had their, you know, that their parents put utility bills in their names and put credit card, you know, credit cards in their name. And now we're in a place where we're having to rebuild and reestablish. So we, we need to make sure we're we're building credit for our kids the right way. So I would say most definitely if you are in a place um, that your credit as a parent is established and you have good credit where you can pass those good practices down to your children. Um, I believe that 13 is a great age to start introducing credit to a child. Um, speaking for myself, the importance of credit and financial budgeting and planning was not taught um, in the school systems um, for me. So to be able, I think that it's important for us to be able to teach that um, in our households to our, our children. There are a few companies uh, that allow you to put your children on as an authorized user as early as, um, as the age of 13, um, and that is Capital One, um, American Express, Chase, um, just to name a few. But it is very important that you understand that um, your credit history then becomes their credit history. And it's kind of like a, a credit report. You know, they turn 18. And um, if you forgot to pay a, a payment to your credit card, that, that follows them. And mm-hmm. it will be hard, you know, for them to even to, to establish credit if, if you have passed along that credit to them. So it's very important if you are not 
um, in a place of credit, knowledge, financial responsibility, do not do that as of yet. Focus on you and then get to a point that you can you can pass that on to your children. But yes, 13, I, I am an advocate for passing along good, good credit to your children and starting at the age of 13. Okay, so you've given me a lot to think about because the three credit card companies you've named, I'm like, oh, I, I bank with all three of those. So, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, this is when I can add Harrison. So uh, what happens if you have more than one child? You know, you're trying to get this one child. I only have one child. I, I feel like mm-hmm. the one child I have is expensive enough. Um, but I know that a lot of my listeners may have two and three children. So is there a way to add more than one authorized user to a credit card? Or do you have to have separate credit cards and add them to separate one to individual credit cards? So I would do um, one authorized user per credit card. So, yes, you would have to have multiple um, credit cards if you have more, more than one child. I wouldn't put them on the same card. And she is also not saying that you need to, if you have five kids, go get five credit cards, right, Ashley? No. No, we're not. We're not going to go get. <laughs> we're not going to get. Five, go get five credit cards. Um, so if you if you have five children, you you can put more than one um, child on a credit card. However, if you can, I would do a separate card, credit card for each authorized user. If you have more than five children, I mean, if you have five children, then I would say let's start off with two authorized users per credit card, if that makes sense, two, two credit cards for two of your children. And then once they get of a significant age where they can start establishing their own credit, then you can take them off as, as an authorized user, then they can actually uh, go and apply for their own card and then start working on uh, your other children. Got you. Okay. Okay. So I know that you have a book. You're an yeah. author now. You've added the word author to your list of accolades, yes. which is impressive. Yes. Yes. I have the book. And I remember when I went, when you posted it, I was like, oh, I have to go buy this because I know it's going to be good. And uh-huh. I'm sitting in bed and I'm reading it literally out loud to James like, oh, my God, did you realize this? Um, so I think the book is amazing. So tell us about the book. Tell my listeners about the book. And then why did you decide to write a book? Okay, so the blueprint to Premier Credit, how to fix your credit and play the game like the rich was written for the do-it-yourself consumers. Um, I totally understood at that time how some people may want privacy when it comes to their financial state. Um, so I just didn't want to leave anyone behind. So this, this book is kind of just the start of someone saying, hey, how do, where do I go and pull my credit report? How do I dispute inaccuracies when I do find inaccuracies on my credit reports? What, which letters work? What kind of letters should I send? Um, and I do actually have some letters in the book, uh, dispute letters that I use for uh, my client, clients that I send out to the credit bureaus. Um, so I call this book a no fluff kind of information. Um, book and, and it's, it's a transparent book of the struggles that I went through as far as, um, establishing good credit and how my childhood of not having those kind of credit and financial planning conversations in my household played a major role, um, in me having to play catch up in, in my adult life. Um, and I kind of just feel that, uh, a lot of people can, can relate to, relate to that. 
um, as just as, as far as just not having the proper knowledge and where to start as far as fixing your credit and disputing things. And so that's kind of what, what my book kind of dives into. The Blueprint to Premier Credit. How to fix your credit and play the game like the rich. I love like it. The rich. I love and it. Because I was like, I want to play the game like the rich. <laughs> and I say play the game. <laughs> I say play the game like the rich because... Um, when you when you're playing catch up and you just what what I like to say is once you establish good credit then you learn how to leverage your credit. So when you have good credit that kind of opens the doors. When I when I actually uh, became at a at a point that I have good credit, I actually went into you know banks and was able to get business loans. So that kind of opened up. Um, the, the doors of starting new businesses. So I, I actually have a, a, another business where, um, I purchase homes in, um, Detroit, in, in, in the Detroit city area where I fix them up, repair them, and I flip them or, um, I keep them for passive income and, um, have, have tenants. So that's what I mean by leveraging your credit. I wouldn't have been able to do that if I, if I still had a credit score of, of 500. You know what I'm saying? So, once you start having good credit, then people, you, you know, you start, you can start getting into these rooms of people that will listen to you like, okay, well, she has a, you know, 800 credit score. Yeah, definitely. We'll give her $30,000 to, to repair her home, you know, at a, at a low interest, at a low interest rate. That's what I mean by playing the game like the rich, because it's not about having the cash. You always want to use other people's money when you can. It's really about using your credit to your advantage. Hmm. And and that's what that's what the pre- rich people do. <laughs> that's what they do. I like that. I mean, I um I think the book is valuable. I I definitely think that if you haven't heard of the book and you are trying to build your finances, you should go and purchase the book. Where can they purchase this book? They can purchase it on my website, premierpeakcs.com. Also, they can, um, all of my social media uh, media handles have a link that you can click on. I am premierpeakcs on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You also can purchase the book on my personal social media um, handles, which is Miss Ashley E. That is M is in Mary, Z is in Zebra, Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y-E. Um, and the book is uh, $14.97. And part of my, a part of the proceeds, I am donating money towards a foundation, Cute and Cover Foundation. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, I, I do give back 5% to, to them. Awesome. Well, I like that. So now let's get down and dirty because here comes the real questions from the listeners. And we will reiterate, you know, where you can get the book if you're listening at the end. And if you are listening, you're usually used to hearing some cases and we usually talk about medical cases at this point. But since we have a financial expert and not a medical expert this week, (laughs) I felt that we should filter your questions as they are more relevant than our medical questions. So our medical intern will now read our finance questions that have come from our listeners. The first one says, hi, I'm a single mom of two kids. I work as a teacher for a K through 12 school and have very little savings. What are some small steps I can take 
on a limited income to help set my children up for a better financial future? Great question. So I would say try to find a second hustle. Multiple streams of income are very important in this present. In your case, I would say look into summer school, tutoring, was actually talking to a friend. She's actually um, a teacher and it's this website and I can actually uh, give it to Dr. Plenty later, but they are actually paying teachers to read books to overseas um, students in English. So you can actually get paid uh, for reading books in English. And I don't know how much I believe it's a uh, uh, $400 per book, but just, you know, finding extra, in, um, extra income to assist with you saving for your your child's financial future and being able to set aside extra money. I will also say um, investing stocks, bonds, mutual funds, putting extra money into your 401k, IRAs, those those are long-term investment options, but those are very important as well. Um, I like that you said that because a lot of people would be like, oh, go through a budget and like see if you can put a little bit to the side. But mm-hmm. it's important that you look you you looked at, hey, she's already on a fixed income. So there's yeah. no way you can spread a dollar any thinner. You have to get another side hustle to increase the amount of money that you're making. And um, yep. so I'm glad that you said that I will post, you know, different ideas um, so I'll post your ideas, uh, Ashley, and I'll post some that I know about as well. I know that my sister does some grant reviews that she does for the government. That's her side mm-hmm. hustle. Um, she also does some teaching overseas through VIP kids. Um, so she's done that. And I think that educators do have a, a lot of other options that they may not know about because one, you're working on a fixed income, but you're also working on a very thick schedule. So time is on your side that summer school time is on your side that after 3 p.m time is on your side and if you're working and doing international work well over there you know it could be 3 p.m and it's 6 a.m over here so that can mm-hmm. also um you know the the difference of the schedules and the time zones um is also helpful so um i do think it's important to get creative in trying to diversify, you know, actually, how can I generate some more income here to save that? And then the other thing that Ashley mentioned was making sure that you're straight. So I think that the best way to get your kids at a financial advantage is to make sure that you are at a financial advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine last night about some things from high school. And um, I also talked to him about um you know, hey, if I didn't have the student loans I had, I would be at so much more of an advantage than I already am. I'm not saying that I'm poor because I'm not. I'm not saying that I don't make good money because I do. But looking at the amount of money I make and the amount of student loans that I have to pay because of the debt I'm in, I'm like, this situation is hindering me. And not hindering me from buying a house and a car, or even starting a business, but I could be 10 steps ahead if I didn't have the student loans. So my child will not have student loans because of that. Mm-hmm. That is money that he could use instead of paying a student loan to go and pay for a house of his own or pay for a business of his own. So I do think that I'm glad you said that, Ashley. Um Set aside money to make sure you as a parent are financially straight so that you can afford 
to send your kids to college and you can afford to make sure that your child has the things they need. And then obviously, once you get your side hustle, once you get yourself straight, once you get your credit straight, then you can start a fund just for your child specifically for, you know, college or savings or what have you. Thank you for that advice. You're welcome, Dr. Fenty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to um, add, because you said something about student loans, and I don't believe I touched um, on student loans as of yet. Uh, but anyone who who um, is listening that have student loans and you are um, in the nonprofit sector, please reach out to me. Um, Obama actually put a lot of uh, programs in place for us. Um, if you're just drowning in student loans, there is a great program where um, if you pay a monthly payment um, and you pay 110 payments, um, on time, the rest of your debt and interest will be completely forgiven. And so I can kind of walk anyone through uh, that program. It's, it's, it's a lot of programs out there, um, you know, people just, just really don't know about. So please reach out to me if you are having issues with, with student loans or you need assistance with getting your student loan payments lowered. <laughs> okay, so the next question says, I have set up a college fund for my child who is now six years old. I work as a nurse on a salaried income, but I have the flexibility of picking up extra shifts. How much should I be trying to contribute monthly or annually? Um, so, okay. So I am a firm believer in a healthy work-life balance. So um, picking up extra shifts, I don't, I, you know, I think that that would just be possibly like draining um, and I don't know if it would be an expense to the time spending, you know, with, with, with your child. So again, that goes to as far as the, the, the first question that we answered, trying to find some type of extra income that won't take away from that, that, that work life balance with your child. But I would say, um, how much you should contribute monthly, um, kind of depends on, you know, what should I say? If we're going to do a public in-state school, if we're going to do a public out-state school, if we're going to, you know, do a private university. But overall, um, if you look into a 529 college savings plan, which is a tax advantage investment account, um, a 529 plan could mean much lower monthly contribution and the money grows over time. Um, I would say roughly $165 a month for a public in-state school, $260 for a public out-of-state school, and $325 for a private university. So I would start off by just saying roughly $165 you should be putting towards a uh, college fund. Starting now, so starting at the age of six? Starting at the age of six. Wow. Okay. And so that should get her enough. If she's putting $165 a month, how much is that? How much is that a year? This is something like almost $2,000 a year, something like that. A little little less than that. So a little less than that. Okay. So, so as a nurse, you might not Mm -hmm. have to pick up any extra shifts to do that. That may yeah. mean that you probably need to get your mani pedis every two weeks instead of every week. <laughs> Let's be go. real. I think that um, when you break it down like that, one hundred and sixty-five dollars a month is not is not bad at all. <clears throat> um, isn't bad at all if you're starting very early. But if you're starting late, um, I remember going to this um, 
this session, this seminar, if you will, that was telling people they need to set aside $500 a month um, wow. once their children were teenagers, $500 a month. And I understand that now because if your kid mm -hmm. is 12 or 13, that's 12 or 13 years you haven't been saving for them. And they're going to be in college in eight, you know, in, in six to eight years, you know, depending mm -hmm. on when they start college. So you only have six years to sort of crank up the amount of savings that you need to um, to get if you want their college to be covered. Now I keep on telling people that my child better be really, really smart and get a full ride because yes. of all the things I went through in my pregnancy. So hopefully he, <laughs> I don't have to pay anything and this money I'm saving, we can do something else with it. But you can't depend on, you know, somebody coming through and giving a full scholarship. Starting at age six, I mean, that's actually pretty good, $165 a that's, month. That's doable, especially, you know, we're just basing it off of, you know, the the what she what she gave us, that she's a nurse. I, I feel as if she will be able to put that aside, $165 a month. Right. And even if you want to pick up an extra shift, I know that, yes, we all value work-life balance, but nursing, you know, nurses usually work either three 12-hour shifts, four eight-hour shifts, um, you know, so they do a lot of shift work. So most work, most nurses have a couple of days a week off. So okay. if, you, if you have time um, to pick up a, an eight-hour shift, obviously that can get you more than your $165 for the month and probably give you a little bit more flexibility to do some other things. Even if that, if it's just $165 a month, you need to put to the side, let's just say 200 because I'm ambitious, right? So $200 is not that you need to put to the side. Working that extra shift, maybe you don't need to work it every month. Maybe you only need to work it every other month to make sure you have $200 a month to put to the side to um, get you at your college fund goals. And now, Ashley, I know this is a little off topic, but sort of kind of on topic. So I know that a friend of mine said, you know, I heard that you shouldn't put a 529. You shouldn't do a 529 for your children. You should do some other account because if your child doesn't go to college, you can't use that money. You've lost that money. Is that true? No. That's what I said. I was like, what? Not at all. No, you actually, um, there, there, it, there will be, uh, what do they say? Uh, like a, a stiff, you, something that you will have to pay if you wanted to just withdraw all of the funds. But no, you just don't, you don't lose it. They can't, they can't just take our money that we've invested in, in this plan. <laughs> but no, there will be some type of, I don't know. I'm sorry, Dr. Quinney, but I don't know what that fee would be. Um, but if you wanted to withdraw the money, you you, did, you can, but it would definitely be a penalty. But no, you won't just uh, lose it. Right. But I didn't even think there was a penalty once your child got 18. Right. So let's say your children, your child did not. I know there's a penalty for early withdrawal before yes, yes. the age of 18, just like your retirement account. Like if you withdraw your retirement account, you will get taxed at 17 percent mm -hmm. on top of your mm -hmm. on top of the amount you're taxed annually for your income tax. But um, so it's a huge penalty. But I feel like once you are over the age of 18 or once that account has matured, even if your child didn't go to college, it's not like you can't withdraw that money. No, time, you can. Right? No, you can definitely withdraw it, and um, 
So I was looking in, into that because I, I am going to be a stickler for Addison, you know, to go to school. But what if Addison says, you know, at 18, she has this great business idea. You know, I, I feel as if that money can go towards that, you know. So at 18, no, they would definitely be able um, to withdraw, withdraw the money. OK. Without a penalty. penalty. Yeah. Question number three. Hi, I've started a savings account for my nine-year-old because we give her a monthly allowance. I can admit she's spoiled and we buy her whatever she wants. We're now trying to make her save to purchase items herself so that she can find value in saving for what it is that she wants. How early is too early to start teaching my child about financial literacy? I don't want her to think that she's being punished but want her to understand that things cost money. I believe it's never too early and it's never it's never too late to teach your kids the value of money and the importance of, of savings, the importance of being an investor versus a consumer. Um, exposing your children to opportunity cost is very important. So, for example, if your child has $50 and, you know, they they have they have chosen that, hey, I want to want to buy a doll. So. You can kind of teach them, do you want to purchase the Dow or do you want to purchase some candy and kind of sell the candy, make a profit, and then you can still go purchase that Dow, but make a profit of, of $25, you know, so kind of exposing your children of the op- the options, the significance of a dollar is, is very important. And um, I don't believe that there is... Uh, a age to put on that as far as what instant gratification means versus having to work for um, a dollar. I, I I like that. I feel like reading this, I was like, this is probably going to be me in, in nine years <laughs> because um, being someone that came from a lower social economic status, like, I don't want my child to want for anything, right? I want to make mm-hmm. sure that he has everything he needs. I want to make sure that I'm sending him to really good schools. And I don't want him to think that I I don't want to do for him. So um, I do like the idea that this listener wrote in in terms of, hey, let's give it, let's start giving an allowance early and then you can say what you want. Um, a friend of mine mentioned, which could be a good idea also for this listener, is Teaching your child, um, if you're not ready for them to actually invest in something, which I, I feel like once they can understand the value of money, you should have them like buy a stock, like maybe not mm-hmm. all their money, but like buy a stock in something that they mm-hmm. like, like have them do the research mm-hmm. and find who's the company behind it and buy, you know, maybe one or two shares of a stock, you know, of stock um, to show them how it will grow or, you know, they could lose money even. But Having them save their money for a period of time and then um, doing some some type of matching program, right? Like that would be something that would incentivize them to save. So let's say you give your kid, I don't know, $10 a month. And after three months, if they have $30, then you give them $3 of interest, you know, um, on top of that to show them how their money can grow. Um, that would be a good way or perhaps some other type of rewards incentivized program where you can also still give your child the things that they want in addition to it being Christmas um, to incentivize them to save money um, so that you're still buying them some stuff, but you're also yeah. allowing them to buy their own stuff as well. 
but I would agree. I don't think it's too early. Shoot, I wish when I was nine, somebody had told me uh, to say, and I did say, but nobody actually told me like, hey, this is financial literacy. This is what you can do. You can go and buy candy and sell candy and then flip that money and make more money. Like nobody broke that down. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so th- breaking things down like that and, and, and pushing your children to be creative about their money, um, I think is a good thing. And, and they don't have to be like, you know, many hustlers. They don't have to be like selling candy out of their book bags, you know, 24 yeah. seven, but allowing <laughs> them to do something to show growth of money <laughs> will be a, exactly. a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is the last question. What is the best option for investing for my child's future? Stock investments, college fund, or a mutual fund? All of those are great options. As as an investor, you always want to diversify your portfolio, um, not putting all your eggs in one basket. Um, there, there's just not one best option for having, you know, just investing in general um, is key. Now, um, now, Ashley, though, so, but if you're a parent and you're like, you know, I'm super new to investing, I didn't got your ebook, I've read it. And I know that all of these things are good options. Where do I start? So I'm assuming that you're going to say, start by making sure you have your three, six months of savings, like you said before. After I have that, how do I, what do I do first to diversify? So um, I would say the next step is individual stock investing, just like what you stated, Um, having your children read up on what they're interested in. What what do you like? If it, you know, I, I don't know what, what, what that may be, but whatever you like, do some research on it and, and buy a few stocks in, in that business. I think that that would be a great next step after you've had, you know, your emergency fund set in place. Gotcha. Okay. So stocks are next. And yep. then the college fund is next. So we're going to do emergency fund. We're going to do the college fund and then we would do the stock investments. Got you. Okay. Okay. Emergency fund. This is great information. Um, Ashley, if people wanted to find you, tell us again how they can find you on social media or how they can book your services. All right. So if you guys are interested in um, talking to me and setting up a free consultation for credit restoration, um, budgeting questions, anything um, of that, anything in the realm of financial literacy, you can go to my website, www.premierpeakcs.com. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, I am Premier Peak CS, um, as well as my personal account, which is Miss Ashley E. um, on all of those social platforms. Thank you so much um, for being here, Ashley. And I will say I have personally learned a ton from us recording this episode. And I will likely be reaching out to you (laughs) for a consultation in the future as well, um, because I think that you have done phenomenal things to turn um, a lot of parents' credits around and giving them uh, great advice and tools to use to help them um, get on the right financial path for themselves and their children. And and thanks everyone else for listening to Pregnancy Pros Podcast. Um, if you're listening, please share this episode with a friend. Um, if you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or a unique pregnancy situation 
or you just want to talk about women's health, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. Make sure to also subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pearls with Dr. Plenty for more quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.